AOL keyword PBS Kids. <laughs> is that an ad? Play the new Cyber Chase Flash game where the hacker is trying to destroy Gilbert Gottfried. The hacker. <laughs> That's what he always says. That's the hacker. How many Dragon uh, Dragon Tales characters can you name? Go. None. What? Stinky. No, there's Flopsy. no stinky. Dragon Tales. Let's go. Dragon, Dragon Tales. Dragon Tales. There's uh, Ord. He's the uh, biggest. <laughs> and so strong and hard. There's Cassie, so shy, but so very smart. There's Zach and Wheezy, and their tails are fun because you know two oh, heads I like are Zach better than Wheezy. one. Dragon Tales. Dragon Tales. I don't remember the old dragon or the names of the two children. We'll talk. Let's revisit Dora? once you've worked through this. Okay. Carl, welcome yeah. to Pillows on the Windows. Is there a word you, you say incorrectly for funsies? Oh, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is, but I really can't think of one. Okay. I'll uh, let you know if it happens. This is a movie podcast. <laughs> My name's Tucker, and this is Carly. Hello, Carly. You know, usually uh, the first half hour of this podcast is terrible because we have to talk about movies that we had to watch and we don't watch for our own enjoyment, but simply in order to talk about them. But then I do that towards the beginning of the process. So then by the time we talk about them, I don't have any steam going into it to talk about them, Carly. But not today. Because we like them? Because we watched Harry Potter and the Prisoner of... What? Uh, Deathly Hallows Part 1. Yes! Yes. I have so many thoughts about this. The most goodest Harry Potter movie. It is such a most goodest Harry Potter movie. I uh, like this movie um, just like done. <laughs> yeah. You know, like not yeah. like this is my favorite Harry Potter movie because that's a depressing conversation I have. Yeah. It's just like this is a good movie. Yeah, I completely agree. Even like some of the sillier stuff. Is nice. What's silly to you? Like, I feel like the stuff in the ministry is never like terrible, but it's mm-hmm. not always like that fun. I think okay. like the cast of characters that they assembled for this movie at the ministry was really good. Okay. And like, I mean, the yeah, the entire like robbing the ministry stuff is really, really fun. And right. I think that could have been like just a flop of a scene. Right. It imagines this crazy world where heist movies are 15 minutes long. Yes, which is maybe a perfect world. Yes. Yeah. Especially when you're like disguised as other people. And it's like, I mean, that's just Mission Impossible business right there. It's like your mask melts at some point. And that's awesome. Carly, this movie's great. Yeah, it is great. What happened between... I've asked this before, but how did we go from the sixth movie to the seventh movie? And it's all of a sudden completely different in tone and visual style and quality. I have no clue. Like, maybe there's an oral history out there or something about... Or rural. <laughs> about these, this last, like, sequence of movies. Because I think it is really interesting. And, like, I... It doesn't seem possible that the reason is like, oh, he finally got full creative control or something because they absolutely would not relinquish that control. So, like, it must just be like a perfect mixture of he was going in a direction that they trusted or something or they were prompting him to take this one slower since they were splitting the source material in half. I don't know. Whatever it is, it turned out great. This is awesome. I mean, you can see some elements of it in earlier ones. Like, I think some of the banter between the three main characters and, like, 
I noticed the cafe that they stop in mm-hmm. um, right after the wedding is like very similar to the how the cafe is shot in the fifth mm-hmm. movie, sixth movie, mm-hmm. sixth movie, mm-hmm. um, when Dumbledore is like about to go pick him up from the train station. Like there, yep. you can see elements, but yeah, this one is just like actually a good movie with those elements. <sighs> just so many, just like great. Every shot lingers too long, and that is great. Yes. In this terribly oppressive, you know, end of the world movie. Um, and that gets into some of my thoughts on Harry Potter and the Deadly Halls, part one. Carly, mm-hmm. it's so interesting to me how the generation, our generation, God bless us, who filled theaters to watch one of the most blatant anti fascist you know, movie franchises of all time. Mm -hmm. This movie is just fascism is bad. Authoritarianism is bad. And now these same people, our age are like, you know, it didn't take. Yeah. Why? (laughs) I don't know. I think maybe a lot of people were too young or something. I would I, just, I, I rewatch these like, movies every month, but okay. <laughs> I don't know that like I was thinking that critically even like when this movie came out. Yeah. Well I at the time I thought it was like really like on the nose, like cheesy, like, oh okay, I get it. World War II. Like, is this what we're doing? But now it's crazy to look at it and it's just like I, I'm not saying it was ahead of its time or something, but it's just like we have learned nothing from this movie. Not that we should be learning lessons from Harry Potter movies, but Well, I think that's a complicated thing is like there is the entire super annoying, like very millennial trait that I feel like has sort of phased out now because everyone got so annoyed with it, rightfully so, where (laughs) like, oh, Trump is Voldemort. Like every like political scenario had to be compared to a Harry Potter plot in order for us to like consume it as a culture, which is is a true nightmare. And like, that's not great. But I I think if you if we can just like take the modern political context out of it and like dig into the idea that this movie like was trying to say stuff, I think more. I don't know if it's just more explicit than the books were about it. Like, certainly all of this is coming from the books in one way or another. But I I just never felt as like smacked over the head with it as I do with this movie. Yeah, I, the books always struck me, and I only read the last book like once, and I wasn't that into it, but it felt way more magical. It was very right. fictionalized. It was a lot of like this grand journey where it's like Albus Dumbledore in his like lineage and all that crap. And they like, right. they they talk about that in this movie, but it's very, it's hinted at. And I think that's the perfect way to go about that because this whole movie just feels like things are being hinted at. And that's way more effective than. Um, say like where she is running Hogwarts and she puts up all the edicts and it's like, fight yes, the power, right. man. We're going to yeah. take down all the rules. Whereas this is just like, it just feels like, you know, like, I mean, we've talked, you and me personally have talked about this before. The scene where they're just wandering and the radio is announcing people who yeah. died is just like, this, these, this franchise doesn't deserve a scene like that. <laughs> And well, awesome. and like I, I've seen this movie quite a few times now. I have never been like 
super emotionally impacted by this part before, but I was this time where, like, you know, Harry's expressing his frustration at hearing that constantly. Yeah. Like, Hermione delivers the line of, you know, I think he's just trying to hear, not hear bad news or something. Right. And for whatever reason, like, that part actually, like, really hit home and stuck out where, like, I just feel super real for those characters and, like, I think puts you in the political context a lot more than, like, other parts of this movie do which is sure. good like it needs to not be the entire time but yeah um i think that part worked really well yeah i don't know if context i'm sure it does play a part but i was like you i've seen this movie many times but this viewing i feel like i was into it even more than normal like i was just like dang this is good and yeah just like so many great set pieces, like the um, uh, everybody disguising themselves as Harry Potter is awesome. Yeah, that's so fun. Like, <laughs> it really, is fun. really fun. And then they yeah. like kill Hedwig off unceremoniously, it feels like. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe this should have been three movies. Uh, <laughs> and uh, what's the other big one? Dang. I mean, all of the tent stuff is wonderful. Like, mm-hmm. I. Both the, we all love the Nick Cave scene. Sure. It's wonderful. Good yes. sweaters throughout. I okay. Oh my God. I'm Not to deviate too much from the set pieces Please. discussion, but I truly think that the way that they dressed Emma Watson in this movie dictated both how I wanted to dress for the next five years, as well as like every other girl my age. Like, <laughs> and like looking back, it's like, oh, she's just like wearing basics from the gap or something. But like, <laughs> it really felt revolutionary. I think because they hadn't really cared about dressing her before. And like, sure. I would say all of the clothes in this movie are really well thought out and interesting and cool and like the oh gosh what's the guy who 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 wrote the article about Dumbledore like his layered shirt situation is like so quirky and funny like there's just a lot of really really good details throughout I agree Carly and also the thing I was thinking of was when they go back to his hometown oh Godric's Hollow yeah and like again, like the set design and her clothing and everything, Bethilda, mm-hmm. that whole sequence is just like so. It, this movie is just like this little series of like little microcosms of movie making in a way that it feels like none of the other movies could be because they had to be a stupid story taking place at a school, you know, where J.K. Rowling has to do her thing where things come back and are important. And this movie doesn't have any of that crap. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like, it. I feel like after Quaron like sort of blew up what Hogwarts looked like. Yeah. Like the, that was sort of the farthest you could go in that environment. And like it did allow the filmmakers that came after him, I think, to like play with it a little bit as well. But like they were, you know, you can't really do the setting is set for like 90 percent of the movie for almost every movie after that. And it right. might be confining versus like, I don't know, you get these characters in the woods. It looked like certain parts of this movie were shot on film. I don't know if that was just like a grain effect that they added or something, sure. but like it, it just opens it up a lot in a way that I'm sure it wasn't as possible to do before. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's a lot of constraints in children actors in this fake castle and they have to like right. go to class and stuff. Well, sure. yeah, I guess like, yeah, they were probably on green screen or in like sets they've been on a million times before. Like yeah. it, I'm sure it created a different environment. I did want to say about the Bethilda mm-hmm. bag mm-hmm. shop part. I forget if I've talked about this with you. I feel like I have, but like zoom back a few years. I feel like we had a gripe about why is there a nursery right there? Yeah. I remember that very distinctly. And that was uh, 10 years ago, Car. 
That's good. <laughs> so like I feel like now that was just sense. a sim yeah, that was a symptom of I've never lived in a place where like there were conjoining apartments. <laughs> right. Like Did we always just lived in work? independent Yeah, exactly. Like how are two families sharing one wall? Wait a second. And that's like they went back yeah. in time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that was that really cleared things up for me. <laughs> right. Which is good. <laughs> It wasn't like I learned anything. It was just like, oh, this makes sense. Yeah, this Shoot. is how much of the world lives, yes. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Whew, I ah. love uh, when they, uh, completely superfluous uh, scene where they, uh, the train is going to Hogwarts and then the bad guys show up and he's like, my father will hear about this. Mm-hmm. Love that. That yeah. didn't need to be in the movie. This and completely and forgot movie. about it as well. Like, yeah. I think that's the only part of the movie I completely forgot about. Love it. Love it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Um, yeah, I think great. despite hating Dobby, I think the ending lands pretty well. So I like I do think it's a good ending. I think the outsized reaction to it sort of ruins it for me. Where like, I truly don't feel emotional when Dobby dies because he's a character we saw like twice before this. And I just <laughs> I couldn't care less. <laughs> but I think it's like well shot and stuff. Like I don't think that's a complaint against the movie. I think that's a complaint against like every person watching this movie and be like, when Dobby died. Spoilers. Yeah, crying emoji or whatever. Okay, I just think it's a really convincing CGI character death. Oh, totally. Yeah. Which apparently is hard to do because it's still happening. That it's yeah. not good. So, uh, other thing I wanted to talk about, okay. Mm-hmm. Kind of tied into like the authoritarianism thing. Um, I think the, and I don't, I can't compare this to the book, but the way Voldemort is handled in this is very interesting to me because he's kind of this ineffectual boob, it seems like. <laughs> he's never shown to be doing anything yeah. other than being frustrated. Um, like there's no real sense of what he's doing at any given time or how he's bringing about the bad things that are happening. And I think that works pretty well. In what way? Like, what do you mean? Because this, there's a sense that he, rather than show us that Voldemort is very powerful and evil, the movie just kind of establishes that fact and then lets it hang Mm. in the background the entire time. Yeah. He's in this movie for like two minutes. Right. And I love so much the beginning at the table with the floating mm-hmm. lady. Holy mm-hmm. cow. That's awesome. Yeah. And then you got the brave little toaster scene. And then he's basically <laughs> out of the movie for the rest of it. And I think that's the right way to go because I don't need the movie we're going to watch after this where he's having Lord of the Rings battles with people. Yeah, I don't either. Like, I, I the only reason I want that is because I really like... Ray finds like physicality in the character. Yeah, like, he's it, great. It yeah. sounds so dumb, but like the way he like holds the wand and yeah. stuff is like really like fun to watch. Gun. Yeah, he's just and I, again, like I think the costuming of him is really excellent. How he just like floats around. Yeah, but other than that, yeah, I really don't need much from him. And I think I think if anything, like this, the only way I do need context around him is like how he treats his minions, which we get in that first scene. And like, you know, clearly they're the ones actually making things happen. And like, he's just like sitting around Pouting. being angry at them. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Mm-hmm. I'm really, uh, uh, what's the right word? Not looking forward to this next one. Car. 
I think it's a fine movie. I like yeah. this isn't. I don't think it's nearly as bad as some of the other uh, David oh. the- David Yates <sighs> ones. Of course, <laughs> let alone Eddie Redmayne. But uh, <laughs> are we doing that? I'm still like no, refuse no, no, to no. believe we're doing no, that. No, no, okay, no, no. this okay. feels like a I did see a movie private. poster for whatever it is, Dumbledore. I'm gonna watch that. I think that looks yeah. alright. I think that looks pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> we love Mads Mikkelsen. Yes, that's a great cast in the movie. Yeah, Say what you it want, is. but yeah. Um, I don't know, Kyra, any other thoughts on this awesome Harry Potter movie? I feel like there was one more. Oh, the uh, storybook sequence is actually really well done. I think. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, that's super cool. Um, I think like all of the, like the dynamic between the main three characters is really great. Obviously, yep. I think that like the scene. The, like the scene that's the closest to bordering on like I don't know like CGI gunk is still really cool, which is the mm. when Ron has to like slice the locket open. It's just so crazy how far they that, take though. the. I know exactly. It's so crazy how far they take the um, Harry and Hermione stuff, and it's just like it. It feels so adult or something, and like yeah. so weirdly intrusive. You know, I which is great. Like I want yeah. it to be insane, and I'm glad it's in there. Um, yeah. Cool movie. Creatures in this movie. Creatures in we this love movie. creature. Dude. Creature wants to talk about <laughs> the next movie. I do like Mundungus. Mundungus. Mon- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's alright. Yeah. Moody. Rest in peace, Moody. Carl, um, what movie would you like to talk about? I only remember the one that you picked. Right. Okay, now. we I can talk about it. that one. Yeah. Before I go to sleep, is that yeah. it? Nicole yeah. Nicole Kidman. Yeah, we love Nicole. Nicole Kidman's good at being the best part of movies she's in. That's true. Which are otherwise not uh, very good. She's in some good ones. We're just no, not watching. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, she also has the ability to be in a movie and be the best part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I don't know, Kyra, on this one, but uh, hey, we watched it. <laughs> I think it was like a really effective, like low mid budget thriller. Yeah. With like questionable mm, stuff. Treatment of people. <laughs> um, oh, how do you mean card? Explain. I don't know. Uh, I wish that she didn't make out with Mark Strong. Strong yeah, and right. like I would yeah. make out with Mark Strong if given the chance. Yeah, he was great in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like this was like I was truly on the edge of my seat. I don't know if I'm dumb, but I didn't see the twist coming, which was Fun and scary. Did you see the twist coming? No, but it's pretty obvious that like one of two things is happening. And then it's like, oh, it's the two. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I didn't even like, I was like, man, we really got to figure out this mystery at some point. And then like, I was shocked. That that was, <laughs> There's not like, a lot of movie left to go. We better wrap this up. <laughs> I was like really shocked. And like, I thought that part was legitimately scary. Yeah. Um, and I think like some of the stuff in the house was scary too. Like uh, earlier in the movie, when like she hears like the children's laughter, I was like, oh god! Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, it, it mm-hmm. actually did. I don't know. I felt like engaged with this movie the entire time, which yeah. I can't say for every movie like this. It's just totally one of those movies. Like I agree with you, but it's one of those movies where it just feels like nothing is happening outside of the movie, and it's just like now we're doing the scenes where they talk to each other. Like I, I need like a little bit of context in a movie because yeah. otherwise it's just like sad people. This movie's about a woman who can't remember 
She resets every day. Yes. 51st date style. Right. Um, there's an aspect to that that I found really, really interesting that I wish the movie had done more with, where it's like, Memento is scary, but this is scarier because you're older than you think. Yeah, that's terrifying. And Memento didn't really get into that at all. But there's they give enough time to, like, I'm 40, but I think I'm, what, like 20-something? Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I think having a set time period for your memory to last is also more effective than what Memento does because it's like there's this constant weight of time on this woman. And again, I wish they had done more with that, but you can kind of feel it in the movie. And that's interesting. Yeah. I I mean, like uh, the reason why a lot of that works, I think is because there's no continuity for her aside from the stories that she's being told um, until things change in the movie. But like, yeah, and Memento, he was creating a sense of continuity for himself constantly yeah. uh, so that he wasn't as struck by forgetting every single however long his memory lasted. But yeah, right. I, I completely agree. Like the idea that she wakes up and she doesn't know this person that she's with and she feels like she's 20. And yeah, I mean, and they express it so explicitly in the movie, which I think you kind of need, actually, because there's not. I think as much thoughtful stuff happening in no. other parts of the movie. Um, and yeah, Kid- Kidman is like incredible. I mean, yeah. I, I kind of think she can do, maybe she can't do everything, but she can do a lot of things. And this is definitely in her repertoire. <laughs> she can't keep an accent going for an entire movie. I'll tell yeah, you that much. Poor gal. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, she's really good. Though. Yeah, she is. Uh yeah, there's scenes in this movie that stick out, but I can't remember the rest. I think the uh, the use of the camera is really interesting mm-hmm. in how it's like her, like you said, kind of creating her own narrative, but then it can be manipulated very easily by other people, and that's kind of interesting. Like this isn't a terrible movie at all. Uh, no, it's just it feels like it needed like some sort of like production oomph or something. There's, it feels like it has its story set out, and that's all it does is tell that story. It also. I, I feel like there's this era of movies that all sort of look the same. And weirdly, I feel like this came like 10 years after the era that it's in, which is like this reminded me of how Minority Report looks sort of where like parts of it are super washed out and then parts of it have really bright colors and like it all feels kind of strange. And like, I think that serves both of the movies, which are about memory. But you could have told me this movie is from 2004, not 2014. And I think that would make probably more sense to me. It's like, we saw Eagle Eye, and we think we can do a kind of cool movie about memory loss. Right. Yeah. Before I go to sleep. Yeah. Car, what your microphone, or your audio sounds really, really weird, and I can't tell if it's just an inter- internet connection. You're joking, but that's kind of what it sounds like. <laughs> your movie? I don't remember what my movie was, is the problem. Carly, I need you to kind of eh. reach into your brain and figure out what movie we watched. Uh, we watched... I feel like I watched it, like, the night that we... Oh, boy. We're not well prepared for this episode of Pillows on the Window. Oh, what if? What if? What if? Oh. Rom-com. I have some issues with what if. Yeah. And you? 
Um, I thought oh, like overall charming rom-com would put it in the like category where I will watch this again. Absolutely. In my lifetime really liked the casting of the two main characters. I guess like, yeah, I have quite a few nice things to say about it. I'll let you say the, the detractors first. Okay. You also sound very strange and it's awesome. You sound like you're talking through a cheese grater. Yeah, that's exactly how you sound as well. Okay. Should we maybe hang up the Skype call and try calling each other again? Oh, now you sound better. Do I sound better? Nope. So my problems with what if, um, it's not a problem really. It's just like a, a thing I thought of. I don't think white collar drama does anything for me. Okay. Because this movie kind of supposes a world, if you will, where these successful urban professionals just kind of spend their days working at good jobs and being sad about relationships. And I'm like, am I supposed to glean anything from this? But isn't that like every single rom-com ever? But it always felt so aspirational, whereas in this movie it's just like, do you want the promotion? No, I well, I guess maybe I'll take the promotion. At the end <laughs> of the movie. It's like, okay, well, boys are dying on these streets, and here we have all these people just like, <laughs> I don't know, like, oh, I wish, I wish I could have sex with my friend. Oh, it sucks, dude. I like, I get where you're coming from, but I also think that's literally every single movie that's ever been created. But this movie has that kind of like edge to it where it's like, we listen to the shins and maybe this is a little subversive. Maybe this isn't exactly what you're expecting, except it is at the end. Yeah, this is like Noah Baumbach light, it feels like. Right. It's like mumble core light, like diet mumble core. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I think like the my favorite parts of this movie are, I think, where that's sprinkled in perfectly. Like, I think they do a really good job of balancing the fact that this is a rom-com while, like, sort of commenting on how plots generally go in rom-coms while still give, like, not denouncing the genre and not denouncing the 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 frequent plot points. Like, there's a part where sure. a character does, like, an overly romantic gesture that's, like, sort of obsessive and creepy in the real world, and, like, in rom-coms, it's like, oh, this is the most wonderful thing anyone's ever done. And, like, they take a pause, and it's, like, acknowledged, like, oh, that was an insane thing to do that no one should do in that position. And, like, the characters are still able to, you know, do whatever, but they, like, acknowledge, like, oh, no, you shouldn't behave like that. And, like, that makes me uncomfortable and don't do that something like that again. And that happens multiple times in the movie where, like, people are doing the oh, none of this matters. We're in, like, an alternate universe because we're all just trying to find love or whatever and we can do whatever we want. And they sort of break that down in a satisfying way without being, like, smarmy about it or something. Yeah. I I could go with you if if the last act wasn't what it is which is just like all of these tropes becoming true you know yeah but i kind of want like i like that better than a full-on like uh, this has to be in the real world like a, yeah if i don't really want like a realistic ending to this i want like the fairy tale but, ending to this which i know goes against with uh, what i just said it's just really frustrating to me because it's this movie about like can guys, it's like, it's when Harry met Sally. It's like, can guys yeah. have female friends and not want to have sex with them? And the answer is no, apparently. And it's just not that interesting to explore how that's not true, I guess, you know? But I think what I like about this one, like, when Harry met Sally is both of them confronting, like, 
they like they their intentions are true they want to be friends and like they end up on the other side of it but this one is like daniel radcliffe knows out the gate and he makes it known to other characters that like he likes her more than platonically so then it's like a well like what agency does the other person have in this situation and like it does suck that he puts that on her and like i think they they handle the balance of like you know she can be upset by that and also you know turn out to be invested in him as well and like that feels honestly more human than just like a like i i think basically her character is well explored where she's both upset that like she was sort of misguided or like actually very misguided by him and also she loves him and like those two things are true and how does that shake out that's fair car yeah can't really argue with you there but uh i guess in the moment the movie didn't do much for me yeah um i think a lot of the supporting characters are really good though Mm-hmm. Um, I like the boyfriend a lot. Oh, the UN guy? Yeah, I think he's a dick in the way yep. <laughs> where you can kind of see how she could find it like charming and how they could have a relationship, but you can also rec- you know, recognize it from Daniel Radcliffe's point of view, how he's just like an awful person. But yeah. There's like he like, kind of rides that middle ground that's kind of I like it. I think yeah, the scene where Daniel Radcliffe first meets him and he immediately pulls him inside and like yeah. questions him. It was like super funny. I thought that was like a legitimately hilarious. And I liked how certain sequences of this felt like I was being punked or something. Like okay. the entire first meeting, I was like, are we gonna snap out of this? And like that was a fantasy of Daniel Radcliffe's or something sure. that this guy falls out a window and like ends up in the hospital. And I like right. that it's just not. Like it's just legitimately insane and like doesn't care about being insane. I, yeah. I don't know. It felt fun. Yeah. Yeah, I I liked this movie less as it went on, I guess. Like I liked Yeah, I think that's fair. Stuff. Yeah. Um, and driver's very good. Yeah. Who's the, his, uh, his lady friend? Mackenzie Davis. Yes. She was very yeah. good also. Yeah. She is really good. I like her a lot. Um, I liked the, it, it's so, it's weird that she's like an animator and her animations are like these little flash animations in there. Like, <laughs> You're so good at animating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of am, I guess. Whatever. Mm. I'm kind of dealing with some stuff right now, like Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> yeah. We have to talk about Elvis's favorite sandwich for like half of this movie. So, you know. I loved the ending, I gotta <laughs> say. <laughs> I thought it was cute. It is cute. Yeah. I don't know. I'd rather, I guess I would just rather watch When Harry Met Sally, but I understand the appeal here. I'm just, I also think it's like, I'll take rom-coms that are above like a two star any day. Right. I I hear you completely, Car. Have you watched any or any other kind of film lately? Hmm? Oh, have I watched another film? Um, Please don't use that voice again. Also, you said platonic really weirdly. I think that's your word that you say weirdly. Is it platonic? 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 Platonic, it sounds like you're uh, uh, a friend of Yang. <laughs> from after yang starring Colin uh, okay Farrell. okay yeah i assume um so what did i watch i okay actually the first thing i want to call out not a movie okay very good we're expanding uh, our horizons we're gonna talk about <laughs> sports now carly hockey who do you have for the 
piston cup or whatever it is. Uh, Bruins. Nice, dude. Okay. Yeah. Go um, so I was like watching, you know, there was YouTube playing and it was just sort of like serving what? me up next videos. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, and I think like, so in my history, as you know, I was very, very into the celebrity interview. I would say like... We- was she says was I okay i legitimately like swerved out of it i'm pretty okay. sick of them i think they're it is poison for your brain it's poison for your brain they're all good actors but insane people and like i hate right. just hearing them talk about themselves for an hour now <laughs> however <laughs> yes. for whatever reason youtube served me this like 35 minute interview between Megan Fox and Diablo Cody hosted by entertainment tonight about Jennifer's body. And like, I, I didn't even, it was one of those, I must've been like doing something else and I didn't realize it was even really playing at first. And it is like an incredible interview. It's them interviewing each other. There's no moderator. And they're just like talking about the, the full cycle and all of the emotions and career impact and like everything that is so immensely complicated about this movie that was supposed to just be like a a good fun movie like written by Diablo Cody and starring Megan Fox and like for whatever or for a million different reasons turned into this like center point of criticism and misogyny and all this crazy stuff that's now been I think pretty much reclaimed entirely and like has such a uh, huge a slash cult fan base around it. Um, and it's just, I sort of get the feeling that they, these two people haven't sat down and talked about it in like a meaningful way before because they're like learning from each other about their own experiences and so insightful about what everything about this film like did to them in their career, like Diablo Cody basically said like i gotta get out of this for a minute like she was becoming a celebrity sort of after juno and then like this sort of like tanked things and she just like looked inward for a long time after this and megan fox was like you know ridiculed and put into a box of like just being or like further pushed into the box of like just being a hot person for people to look at and like any idea that she was anything beyond that was like you know expressly rejected so they're talking about all that stuff and then they're also like it's so clear that they never doubted the movie they were making even amongst all the like crazy criticism they were getting from it like these are two people who just like have a deep passion for the fact that they were able to make this and what it means and like what they the ideas that they were expressing within it um and yeah i don't know i'd like it's it's one of the better celebrity interviews I've maybe ever seen like it totally pulled me out of that mindset. And like, I was just grateful to hear the oh. thoughts of these two people as it relates to like, I think one of the more interesting pieces of media that we've all experienced as a culture. I haven't. I feel like um, you guys got to watch this one. The interview? The movie. The movie. Make some popcorn, sit down, yeah. some Domino's pizza. We're going to watch Domino's Diablo pizza. Cody Diablo Cody. That sounds good, Car, but I don't have any context because I haven't seen the film. And I'm really worried you're going to slip back into some old habits and you're going to be watching like a 1993 interview with (laughs) 
Bing Rames. Someone's going to be like, oh, Carly. Honestly, the one that sealed the deal in the I can't listen to these anymore thing was I started listening to a Jake Gyllenhaal interview and no. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. no don't no, tell no, me no, anything no. bad about Jake Gyllenhaal. He's not bad. He's just, I think they're all extremely self-absorbed and it's hard well, yeah. to listen to. Yeah. I've seen Nightcrawler, dude. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of um, And then I'll just transition into another one really quick, which is I rewatched Young Adult, um, which I think is just like a wonderful movie that is so bold do you know like the basic plot of young adult i don't but can i tell you a fun story Uh uh-huh i was convinced seeing your you know the poster show up on letterboxd that that was the one we had watched where she has a nanny that oh uh, tully right and i was like oh we saw that young adult (laughs) and then i was like wait a minute but it's by the same director isn't it uh, same director and I think both written by Diablo Cody, which is why I watched Young Adult. After and starring Charlize. Watching. Yes, and starring Charlize. Okay, well, you can forgive my uh, brain problems, but... Uh, I can. I don't so know So Young Adult story. is about a Charlize Theron who grows up in, like, I think a town sort of equivalent to ours. They have a Macy's, but, you know, like Midwestern... <laughs> mid-sized town city um and she graduates i think she's like maybe in her late 30s in this movie and um moves to minneapolis where she's a ghost writer for a semi-successful young adult uh Um. fiction series and her life is like like she's a complete mess and not like in a cute funny rom-com way and like uh the first scene you see her apartment and it's like distressing and you see how she's treating her body and it's distressing Mm -hmm. and she gets an email that her um like high school sweetheart has had a baby and it prompts her to go back to her hometown and basically she wants to split up um the couple that had the baby because she believes that they belong together and it is like such this is a character who like thinks that she's hot shit because she lives in Minneapolis and not in her hometown and has such distaste without any merit for like everyone from her hometown and for the hometown itself, except for Patrick Wilson, who is her um, ex-boyfriend. And it is like an unflinching look at someone who is like, you know, deeply mentally ill. Like there's a lot of not so great stuff happening there. Like she openly says to her family, I think I'm an alcoholic and they just like think it's funny or whatever. Like she's sort of trying to get help, but is also just indulging in every bad habit out there. Um, And not to spoil the end of the movie, but there's like no hope for this character. Like it's one of the, like I'm in the most satisfying way where like, you know, the end of this could be like, oh no, you are a good person underneath it all. And like, you just need a new direction. And this movie just totally affirms like her mindset to her. And it's, there's something so satisfying about it. Oh my God. I'm going to like edit in like, I like kicking dogs. There's something so satisfying about it, about seeing well, the light in someone's eyes just go. There's something so like I just, it just love sustains the, me. You know, like there's a decently big movie out there which 
does not entertain the idea that like everyone is capable of change, at least not in this moment in her life. Like maybe she will be later, but this clearly was not the journey. This was not rock bottom, even though it absolutely should have been. Um, Jesus, Carly. Yeah, it's and Charlize is like incredibly good. I we love Charlize, obviously, yes. but like I really think her. this is one of her top performances. It's really, really Wait. incredible. Below the Italian job, of course. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's she can right. Live forever and Fast and Furious Nine. That's actually also what made me watch this. Is I almost watched The Old Guard and it was too long, so I watched this instead. Right, that is a long movie. Why? Yeah. Why is it so long? Okay. Know, we we old. don't live forever. That's true. Ninety minute movies. Yeah. Normalize it. <laughs> Make a sequel Normalize if you have to. <laughs> Normalize ninety minute movies or eighty seven minute movies. Hashtag normalize it. 87 plus credits is perfect. <laughs> What'd you watch? Well, I watched a three hour long movie called Drive My Car. Well, I like sleep in my car. Carly, <laughs> before we jump in here, what was, where did you land on Drive My Car? I love Drive My Car. Okay. What do you love about it? Um, I okay. love, like, Okay, so like to me, I don't know that the grief stuff hit as home for me as other people. Mm -hmm. I think probably because I've not experienced that level of grief in my lifetime. So I feel like what I got more from this was I loved, obviously, all the Murakami stuff around Mm -hmm. it. Like Mm -hmm. the story that's sort of being told through various characters. Um, Like actual story story. How do I explain that? Like the the book sort of that's being written Mm -hmm. aloud. Um, I love the connections between the characters, mm-hmm. namely between the driver, the main guy, and the actor. And there's one other thing I was going to mention. Oh, like all of the stuff around the play, like the yeah. translation between the different people and like what it would be like to have an immersive theater experience or like theater camp sort of experience. Like, yeah, each of those elements were really wonderful. Okay. Okay. I feel like I'm like amping up the apprehension. I thought this was a pretty dang good movie. Um, but <laughs> I think it was a good movie. I don't think the story is very good. Hmm. It's really rough to make a three-hour movie, and the story's not very interesting. What do you mean the story? Well, it's just like... Like, uh, I like 90-minute movies. I understand that this is like a vibe movie type of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's got that Murakami thing where it's very dreamy. Although I think it's really interesting that Burning is also a three-hour Murakami movie and feels completely different. Um, Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think Burning is a much better movie than Drive My Car is, but uh, I don't. I think that might have more to do with the subject matter. Well, I don't know. Burning's an excellent movie. Anyway, Drive My Car, <laughs> while I was watching it, I was like, this is so cool. I was just kind of amazed at the power of like movies. Yeah. Uh, in contrast to like other mediums, like you couldn't do this as a book. Like movies right. just have this power where you can just have these scenes. And you can just t- you can tell these stories a certain way that you just don't get anywhere else, and you only get it from certain movies. And I'm like, okay, Drive My Car is really good at you know these things that I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And then there's just moments where it's like your big emotional climax is just people monologuing at each other, and it had like no payoff for me whatsoever. It was just like, when is this over? 
I will, that was really frustrating. Um, I feel like it kind of takes a lot of turns that you kind of, you don't see coming, but it's just like Murakami barfing at you. Just like, you know, here's what happens to the bad guy in this movie. And it's like, oh, I guess that's what happens to the bad guys in these movies. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is what happens with Murakami stuff. I don't know. It was like, as this wore on, I was just kind of more and more frustrated with the way the story was unfolding. Hmm. I mean, so, like, I think, like, the one place I'm with you that, like, bummed me out that I wasn't as engaged with it as I wanted to be was the big end piece where they go back to her house. Mm -hmm. And, like, I just, I thought it, like, yeah, which, like, I don't know. I was sort of a bummer because I, like, wanted to be more locked into it. Um, But I think, like, every other meander... Yeah. I was like very, very game with like, uh, yeah. I think one of my favorite moments in the movie is when they go back to the like, I think sort of producer and actress's house for dinner. And it's just like, yeah, that's great. I could truly just listen to these people talk for the entire three hours. And like that version of monologuing was very cool for me. I also <laughs> like yeah. on, on a similar note to the very end piece, a part that I did really like is, um, when what is where are they like the other or the driver and the um main guy like do their field trip sort Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. in the middle of the movie where are Mm they i think they're in hiroshima that's right that's right okay yeah yeah like and they're standing outside of the museum and like also that entire sequence like of the inside of the museum was so beautiful to look at and like such an interesting like, I like those little interesting things being layered in. And I think they, like, right. overall add to the movie rather than detract from it. Yeah. And, like, that, them monologuing there was really wonderful. And, like, I specifically remember, I think she's about to sort of tell something intimate about her life. And it gets interrupted by, like, a Frisbee coming to yeah. the scene, which I thought was, like, very, very cool. Yeah. And, like, yeah. So I think there are other versions of that scene throughout the movie that work better for me. Yeah. I just wonder how much of that, like, is, at some point it just didn't feel like storytelling. Like, it, it it felt like there wasn't enough story to tell. And you can have these amazing scenes, like the end where uh, they're putting on the production. And there's the mm-hmm. big scene between him and the, the woman doing the sign language. And it's, like, really powerful. But yeah. We've already, like, it, it didn't didn't make me understand the characters any better or anything. It's just, it's like a really cool concept done extremely well. And it's very like emotional and it, it feels like a good climax to the movie, but it it's like this scene amongst 800 similar scenes in this three hour movie of the same kind of emotion, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't think this movie would necessarily be better if it was shorter. It might be worse. Um, but I don't think there's enough story here to fill up the time. I think they, it, it's like, they don't even smudge it. They're just like, here's, you know, here's another shot of the car. Like he's going to do his lines in the car. And you know, like, I, like how many scenes do you need of that? I don't know. It's just, it didn't, at some point I understood exactly who these characters were. I didn't need, you know, the monologuing in the snow or you know, like the arcs are very simple for these characters, yeah. I guess is what I'm saying. There's no, there's nothing crazy going on storytelling wise. It's just a very long movie. I think the the thing that is crazy 
which sort of goes against what you just said is like, yeah. I think the main character's arc is actually really interesting because you sort of come to him where he's not really a mess. Like he, uh, or like he doesn't outwardly present as much as a mess. Right. And like you slowly find out through the movie, like, okay, this guy like sort of purposely brought the guy that he knew was cheating mm-hmm. with his wife into this production and like has these conversations with him that like aren't directly confrontations. Like you sort of learn more and more like, Oh, this guy isn't, he might be functioning well, but he's not handling all of this exactly right. Right. And now I'm forgetting, but there is, gosh, maybe it's in that scene between the actor and the main character in the back of the car, which was like, I think that's one of my favorite scenes. I guess from this year, but also from last year, um, which is just like so full of suspense and so crazy. And I, one of the parts of that is like the actor saying to him, like, basically your ideas about your wife might be wrong. And like, it might just be more simple than that. And like, that's an incredible arc that like, I think you really only get to in the way that this story is structured. Sure. But then you have an hour of movie. Yes, exactly. Yeah. With, Exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like I, I get what you're saying. Um, and like I said, there's a lot of really amazing scenes in this movie, but uh, I would rather just go watch Burning. <laughs> we can have both. Burning like shifted my worldview a little bit or something. Like I yeah. that movies sticks with me daily. Uh, this movie, I was just like, oh, it's I don't know. It's just it didn't have the same effect on me at all. Yeah. It's like really well made. The car yes. is awesome. Yes, the car is awesome. There was one more thing. Great wanted. soundtrack. Oh, I guess like I, I think I mentioned this maybe like a month or two ago, but it is really interesting because the short story that this is based on is so is such a reduced version of this. Like right. I, I think the actor character is like barely a thing. Right. Like, it's just, it's so reduced in terms of, like, uh, you know, the work that this guy is doing. And it's really only focused on his relationship with the driver and, like, doesn't even get that far with that. So, like, I think it's cool that the movie retained and, like, sort of replicated how Burning did it, where it's, like, or uh, managed to achieve, like, a Murakami tone throughout. Right. Which is, I think, you sort of have to have in both movies, 50 scenes of someone just driving around in a car because it's like, you don't need it. I like it. Like I want it there. Like I've heard that criticism levied against both movies. And like, it is absolutely true that like you could cut it out. Yeah. But if you're successful in building like the overall Murakami tone, then I want it in there. Like I, I want to just see these characters do the same stuff day after day after day. But for me, the Murakami tone is Stephen Young standing at that quarry. Yeah. And just the worst vibes in the world are happening. (laughs) That's what I want out of Murakami. I mean, that is great. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, that was drive my car. I like, like I said, I, I really liked it, but, uh, didn't stick with me and kind of frustrated me. And so, so, (sighs) I also watched West Side Story. As long as we're doing Oscar Roundup, Oscar Roundup 2022. I loved West Side Story. Yeah? Haven't seen the original. 
What Are you going to want to watch it? Maybe someday, whatever. Yeah. It's like the same thing, right? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's probably got some of the same songs. Ooh, what was your? Who is your favorite actor? Oh, Ansel Elgort is so mm. striking <laughs> as Tony in yeah. Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Is Mike? Is it Feist? Feist? Was is he, he like the great? second in command guy? I don't know. He's like tiny. Yes, he's very yeah. good. He's way yeah. better than. Ansel Elgort. Ansel Elgort's honestly the worst part of the movie by far. He cannot act very well. Yeah. Or sing or dance or move or <laughs> come across as a person in a scene. Yeah. I don't know what was going on. Like, of all people, mm. why him? I why honestly him? think because of Baby Driver. He did, like, his little songs and dances in Baby Driver, and then this happened. But why? Like, everybody else just seems like they're like, you know, I come from theater. Yeah, right. And he's like, I come from being stoic and uh, embarrassing. Yeah. And also not a good person. But otherwise, I loved it. All the production is fantastic. It looks so good. It's got that Spielberg kind of glowy lens flare thing, but it works okay, yeah. I think. Um, for me personally, you could cut out everything that isn't a musical number, and I would just watch the musical numbers, and it would be probably a much shorter, better movie. What's the percentage, do you think? Like, it's like half musical. Half. Okay. It's good. It's good percentage. It's healthy. It's supple, <laughs> I would say. Okay. Um, yeah, I felt like all the emotional beats it was trying to hit, it hit really well. Uh, great cast, I thought. Uh, just, I love, I just love watching musicals. I love watching people do things I can't do physically and with their voices. Yeah, I feel like I've, and I've gotten the sense too that like, this deviates from I think what a common uh, sticking point for modern day movie musicals is, which is like oftentimes you have close shots, which sure. ruin the entire point and like take <laughs> right. away the magic of people singing and dancing in time with one another. Right. And I, I think like a lot of the praise I've seen is just like, oh, he widens it and you can yeah. see more than one person dancing and it's, it's not so just cool. like all close crop to their face and, you know, actually does what it's supposed to do. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like I had a huge smile on my face whenever, you know, you would cut into a musical number and it's just like this huge shot of all these people doing the synchronized yeah. crazy dancing. And I'm just like, oh my God. Yes. That sounds fun. So cool. Yeah. Very good movie. Uh, Car, what have you been watching? Um, um, I will say par- paranormal next of kin just Please, to say really quickly. Carly, uh-huh. no, 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 no. We're sticking with this because I have a question <laughs> okay. for you. Okay. First, why? Second of all, <laughs> do you think there's an appeal to this era of horror movie in the same way that there's an appeal to early 2000s horror? Totally. Yeah. What is that appeal? Because I have not found it. So Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. Oh, this is the new one. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was like from 2017 or something. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, but it totally like I would compare the way that this movie feels to a combination of the, the new Blair Witch. Okay, I like that. You're, I'm with and, you so far. And um, that one exorcism movie that's in the barn. Emily Rose. Yes, I think. Okay, that's older. It's, yeah, but it's like you know what it like. It's that like sort of documentary footage combined with like creepy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. cave like stuff 
Yeah. So, I mean, like, the, the why is, to be perfectly honest, um, before we watched this movie, we'd been at a birthday party and had been drinking a little bit. And then Woo. it was like, um, what's well, a stupid thing that we can watch? And it was a great setting because we were in my apartment and... That was a great uh, setting. <laughs> and the craziest thunderstorm starts happening. Ooh. Like really bonkers Ooh. thunderstorm. What does Bruce do? What's Bruce, the Bruce is scared, move? which is the only sad part. He yeah. really hates uh, rain and thunder. So he was running all over the place. That's kind of cool. Um, but like really loud, really bright, creepy. And this movie was legitimately creepy. I had quite a bit of fun with it. Um, oh. um Yeah, that's about all I have to say about that. <laughs> Do you feel like we're in rarefied era where we can, you and me personally, through blood <laughs> or, you know, genetics, can give the time of day to these horror movies and not be like, like, I don't understand why people watch these movies because they always hate them, it seems like. Whereas you and me, I feel like, can be like, maybe there's something here, you know? I mean, all I ask is to be scared. So, like, Well, that never happens, but okay, sure. <laughs> well, it happens for me quite easily. So sure. I think I have a low bar there. I, I like truly if I think I if I was one of those people who is desensitized to horror, I probably wouldn't watch these. Like I do want the thrill from it. I don't want to just like sit there and be like, "Oh, that's cool." Okay, I'm in that second camp that you just mentioned, but that's fine. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Well, cuz I just like that horror movies just can be, not necessarily are this just like uh, just like a big board with creative ideas on it, where like, yeah. you don't need any kind of through line, or it's yeah. just like, what if this looked like this? That's a weird way for that to look, and then you can make a movie about that. And I, like I that. think that's the other thing, and like that's what allows me to approach, I guess, certain other groups of movies. But like, I don't have an expectation that something needs to be of great quality when I'm exactly, watching a horror movie. Exactly, because I can is, just chill. Just because it exists, it has quality. Theoretically. I guess so. yeah. Sometimes that's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I just like, and I think that's sort of in tandem with I just want to be scared. Like, it can be dumb and the characters can be bad. That's I, fine. That's but as long as, like, you have something that's legitimately um, unsettling in some way, I'm kind of game. <sighs> See, I don't need that. I, uh, I'm even purer than you. I'm, uh, I've achieved the next <laughs> level. I aligned my chakras and I can watch uh -huh. dumb, not scary horror movies. And be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. I think if there's one genre that like I can, like even if it's not scary, I can get on board with, it probably is still horror. Where like a bad comedy I don't want. Right. A bad drama I don't want. No. But bad horror is like, yeah, put that on. That's great. That's fine. It's junk food. It's just like KFC yeah. bucket full of movie. KFC bucket full of movie. Did I Thank watch anything you. else scary? I'm trying to see. Mm. Um, be dum, be dum, be dum, be dum, be dum. I am. I don't think I did actually. Okay. I guess seven sort of is scary. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, I'm sorry to like maybe just go on a roll here, but do this, it. So I didn't do this on purpose, but it I you I watched this eight? movie because I think besides Benji Button, which I'll watch soon, Christ. it's like the only Fincher I haven't seen multiple times, and like you know, yeah. especially in recent years, I think it, I feel like I watched this with mom quite a while ago. <laughs> like you know, it's been a minute. Um, uh, I think it's a fun movie. Like it's uh, it's fun to see the. Beginnings of some Fincher stuff, yeah. And like I don't know, I think he's kind of the 
best at doing some versions of this. And I like how this movie is like Saw plus. Saw I don't zero. know what else. <laughs> like, yeah. like a Saw plus a Fincher movie is essentially right. the vibe. And, you know, Brad Pitt's so fun and Gwyneth is fun and all that good stuff. Um, yep. So, like, I had a good time watching it. I think there's, like, a lot of merit to it, even if it's not in the upper echelon of what I want from a Fincher movie. Hmm. Um, I guess, like, anything to, uh, about Seven before I segue? I don't care for Seven. Yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you why. And you? <laughs> Have you watched it recently? No, it's been a long time. I just, uh, it just seems like edgy for the sake of being edgy. Like, I don't, I don't get out of it what I want from Fincher. Like, I love Zodiac and Zodiac's like creepy. Yeah. And if Zodiac feels like the evolution, it's like what I want, uh, I would want out of seven. Like, I'm glad he made Zodiac. So I can be like, yeah. Yeah. I think like, uh, this feels more closely aligned with like alien three, right? Right. The music video era of David. Yes. Yeah, so then with, Zodiac or Girl right. with a Dragon Tattoo. Like, uh, or Mink. It does. Feel, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it does feel like there's a line there. But unknowingly so, I watched this movie like a week before I watched a movie that it was inspired by. Is that the right way to phrase that? Basically, Absolutely. I watched Batman. Which is oh. partially inspired by Seven slash David Fincher in this era, I think. Is that something um, people are ascribing to that movie, or is that just like a known? I think that's a known like okay. director has stated as such. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and like it's decently clear from the movie sure. as well. No, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Like it was fine. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Carly, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold yeah. on, hold on. What's your Batman? Uh, like, okay, obviously, okay, Robert Pattinson, of course, we're there. Okay, we love. Got I'm in the seat. Zoe Kravitz, we love. Okay, we're in the seat, we're in the theater, we got the, our whole crew with us, because we're going to watch Robert Pattinson, <laughs> Zoe Kravitz, and The Batman 2022, starring Paul Dano. But, Carly. Yeah. Do you care about Batman at all? No. Okay. No, of course not. I mean, like, no. Of course not. <laughs> but, how many three-hour-long Batman movies have you seen in your life? At least three of them. Probably, like... Five, I guess. Probably five of them, maybe. Justice League, the Nolans, oh, and this. That sucks. Okay. Yeah. How are you feeling about Batman at this point in time? I mean, I don't care. Like, I'll watch them. Justice League is a different matter. I watch that because that's like a relic of an insane person God. making a movie. That movie's awesome. In some ways. <laughs> um, <laughs> but why? But like, why? Uh -huh. uh, if 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 Robert Pattinson was Captain America, would you watch Captain America? I, I'm I'm curious. No, I have no that. interest in Marvel movies. Oh, okay. Well, it's true. <laughs> I don't want like the candy. Oh, okay. Well, it's you're true. A, I don't. Yeah, I want them like snob. cracking jokes like idiots um, and stuff. Like I don't know. Is this Dark Horse Comics? Um, I only read <laughs> Dark Horse and Image, so I'm not really interested in your, uh, you know, Doctor Strange. Well, it's true. Yeah, okay. I just I have yet to find an end to Marvel movies, I guess. There isn't one. But yes. I'm kind of down for, like, if it's a movie made by a director i like i guess in the dc universe i'll watch mm -hmm. it or maybe mm -hmm. that's just true for batman <laughs> like uh, i don't know uh, okay 
But anywho, like, yeah, I basically wanted to see this movie because it looked fun and Robbie Pat Pat and Zoe Kravitz. And, and like, Colin Farrell. And Colin Farrell doesn't look anything like Colin Farrell. That's cool. Which is weird. Um, I don't know. Like, I this is one of those where, like, am I missing something? I don't know. But, like, mm. it really just sort of went by. And, like, there was maybe, like, two sort of <laughs> thrilling parts. And then it was, like, it's done. And, like. I was I didn't read up on the movie a lot before I went to see it. So, like, I didn't know that the conception of this was like uh, not Spider-Man, Batman as detective, sort of. Sure. That's and what I, I like, didn't. Want. Yeah, but I didn't get that from the movie. OK, there's, I guess, scenes where he's at a crime scene and like the Riddler has a riddle What's for him. But crime scene? yeah, I don't maybe it's Gordon. because we know the entire time like that it's the Riddler. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah. There's no suspense at all, I would say, like, throughout the entire movie. Like, I just, I didn't, That's kind you know of what's cool. happening, it's happening, then it happens, and then it's done, and then it ends in the way that any movie like this has to end. Like, I just, at least with Nolan, it was like, oh, I'm watching something, like, cinematic, and even if, like, we know the character has to end a certain way, like, I, I can't predict what's going to happen next. And this sure. just felt like a clockwork where it's like, okay, yep, we've hit this part, then this part, then this part. Well, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about the first Nolan movie. Yeah, but even that one was more fun to watch, I think. Like, this mm. also just wasn't very fun in any way. That's kind of... Uh, like, I that, don't think the yeah. action set pieces were particularly good yeah. at all, besides maybe the car chase. Um, this sounds and dire, like, car. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> but other people like this movie more. So maybe well, yeah, I'm wrong movie. or something. Have you seen Letterboxd? It's like yeah, Spider-Man with Spider-Man in it. Yeah. I think I was also bummed because like, I really do like Robert Pattinson's take on this. Okay. But you don't get any time with him as Bruce Wayne. And like all I kind of want is like Robert Pattinson being sad and like talking about how he hates the world or whatever. Yeah, like throwing his snifter into the fire. That would be wonderful. And we just don't get that. Like he's like in the suit for what feels like 90% of the movie. (laughs) That sucks, Kyrie. I don't know. You're not selling me on Batman. The Batman. I don't know. I didn't have a bad time. It just like was like, okay. Time was passing and Batman was punching dudes or whatever. Yeah. There's like a cool, I so like the way I feel about this, <laughs> I don't know if it's just top of mind, but I kind of feel the same way as I do with Euphoria, where like, we have to talk about Euphoria. <laughs> okay. The, basically, the elements in front of the camera yes. were great. Like the way the movie looks is great. The acting is great. The costumes are awesome. Okay. A lot of the set design is very cool, okay. but none of the like content is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the story isn't there. It's not structured in a way that's exciting. Like okay, okay. all of that car, just sort of falls it. away. Understood. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's kind of it. Okay, but I would love to hear about Euphoria Car. Okay, I'm trying to think back. So right, Euphoria season you two ended. Some disappointedness. To yeah, me. I kind of couldn't believe. I mean, like what, how closely? What was it, well, it about it that you were just like? Okay, so the second to last episode, the penultimate, if you will, thank you episode of the season was a fun sort of relief from what most of the season was, which was like, okay, we're gonna hit a hundred different plots 
for two seconds and it'll look cool, but none of it makes sense together. Love it. Because they took a like suit. Hello? Hello. Hello. Do you, did I break They're up? trying to cancel you, Car. They're trying to shut you down. <laughs> I'm. You can't stop me from... <laughs> whatever. Basically, they structured the second to last episode uh, as a one of the main characters putting on a play. Okay, I've heard about which this, yes. portrayed the actual events of the other characters. Um, yeah. And it was, like, fun. Like, it was, like, funny, and you got to relive certain parts of the series from, like, a different perspective and all this stuff. And, like, so it felt like, okay, that's sort of, like, not quite a bottle episode, but, like, close, where it's just, like, in this auditorium watching this stuff happen. Uh, and satisfying character moments and everything. Um, and then, for whatever reason, they decide that should also be the finale. Okay. Like, they carry the play over into the finale, which is so weird and doesn't okay. make any sense. And you end up watching this one scene, which is a flashback of Zendaya at her character's um, father's funeral service. And she's, like, giving her eulogy. Truly throughout the this season of the show, you see that same scene, I want to say like six or seven times. Kind of cool. For n- no reason, I don't think. Like, I, I really don't know. Um, and they replayed, I would say, two or three times in this episode. <laughs> For whatever reason. And then you're splitting the play, which is incomprehensible. And, like, you don't get any satisfaction from this iteration of it between another plot line, which is, like, our main drug dealer character, who's a big fan favorite. Um, sort of shit is going down and he basically ends up in this crazy shootout. I can't, I I, I think, explain this in a comprehensible way, but he's in this house. It's this drug dealer and the drug dealer's little brother who's like 10 or something. Why are they, is he, I don't know how the world works, but do they usually go shoot at drug dealers? They, the drug dealers had just killed someone. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Very good. So, and the police were listening the entire time. So the police are like, they know the police are coming and the older drug dealer and the younger drug dealer are like, you know, trying to negotiate how they're going to give themselves up. (laughs) And the young drug dealer, who again is 10 years old, is like, no, we're going down with a fight. So he takes all of the guns into the bathroom and he lays in the bathtub with the guns. Okay. While... The older drug dealer standing outside the bathroom as the SWAT team is coming in and he's like telling the SWAT team, hey, a little kid is in there. Don't shoot. Don't shoot. He's standing directly in front of the doorway and then the kid starts shooting and he shoots his brother because he's standing directly in the doorway. And then there's like a five to ten minute shootout sequence and then the kid presumably dies and we find out, you know, outside of the world of euphoria in the press like a week later that they changed that plot line like two days before it was filming the other character was supposed to die then they chose to kill off this kid in a way that makes absolutely no sense and we knew it didn't make sense and sam levinson is so dumb and then the show i think ends on zendaya's character being like and then i stayed clean for the rest of the year oh good um yeah they've dropped like a I, I no joke like uh, so many plot points that should have been acknowledged in like the last three episodes like Zendaya's character was 
owes a very, very scary drug dealer $10,000. This drug dealer has previously told Zendaya, like, either get me the money or I will traffic you. And then Zendaya just doesn't get her the money and nothing happens. Um, And they don't even, like, acknowledge that that money is still owed. Like, and then in the midst of all of this, like, everyone wants these different plot points to be acknowledged. And instead of all of that, they have the new annoying boy character sing an acoustic song for, like, five minutes. Hell yeah. And it's just insane. Backbeat, the word is on the street. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It was truly, like, one of the worst episodes of TV ever. I don't know. It sucked okay. so much. When do you give up on old Sammy? I think I might give up on Euphoria now. Okay, but what about the creator? I Like, if he... It's like a joke at this point, but I truly mean it. Like, if he had a writing team, I would watch the show. Because the show looks mm. good, and the acting is good. He's just really, 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 really bad at writing. Hmm. That sounds alright. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's uh, a third season, presumably, right? Yes, and like, you know, literally everyone on Twitter is like, can you please hire a writing team and not do this again? Like, we want to like this show. We love the characters. We love the actors. Like, please don't do this again. But he's probably. Mm. What if it's like a Twin Peaks season two scenario where they bring in other writers and then it becomes terrible? The writing could not be worse than it currently is. I really mean that. Yeah. I would say the same thing about David Lynch's writing, but then <laughs> we saw what and, and this isn't even like a fun in a or bad in a fun way. It. Yeah, it's just like, oh, this is frustrating. Like we've invested so much in these characters and there's nothing like there's these two like sort of crowd favorite characters who have been sort of fighting all season. And we thought we were going to get the like, oh, they're really going to fight it out during the finale and no it like just didn't happen when you uh say you hmm, how can i phrase this did you know about the twitter reaction to this episode before you watched it no i watched this right when i with euphoria like i tried to watch it as it's airing and i won't look at my phone until after okay when you then go on to twitter to see the reaction is it like cathartic for you or is it yes like, okay i am actively looking at hashtag euphoria and seeing other people shit on it because you're just looking for I, the worst like the most angry messages yes, yes god yeah i think because it feels like i i think because it looks of high quality sometimes it feels like i'm crazy and like oh this is actually a good show and then like i get to see that other people have seen through the madness and you know, right. we all know it's not a good show. It's a popular show, though. People. It's a super. It's like a doubly as popular as Succession was. Right. Which, like, is, I get that, like, not everyone watches watches Succession, but like, it feels like a lot of people watch Succession. Yeah. And yeah, this had I think Succession was like six to seven million viewers, Jesus. and this was like thirteen to fifteen or something. Yeah. And you know, I don't know a single person that watches it besides you. That's so crazy. <laughs> but uh, that's cool. Yeah. Good for Sam. I guess. It sucks. I don't know. Whatever. And then, yeah, I mean, whatever. It seems like the entire way he's running his ship is insane. Yeah, that was rough to kind of read through, but very believable. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I can talk about something I don't like at all. Is it going to be licorice pizza? Yeah, it was licorice yeah, pizza. Yeah, tell me. I am not angry at licorice pizza. I just really don't think Paul Thomas Anderson's for me at this point in my mm. life. The end. Well, say uh, more. <laughs> say more. I don't, uh, I, it just didn't, it was like the opposite of Drive My Car, where Drive My Car is like, the wonder of filmmaking. This just seemed like the opposite of that. Oh, really? <laughs> Where scenes are just happening. I'm like, why is this happening? <laughs> this isn't very good. And then I would just keep going like that. Like, I understand. Like, I get the vibe. It's fun. Yeah. You know, it's just like laid back, kind of sad, coming of age type story. Uh, yeah. But I was just so not into the characters or the scenario or what was happening. Um, if I may unfairly compare this to once upon a time in Hollywood. Mm. I like that movie much more because it is so when that movie kind of spirals out of control, it feels uh, like it, like a spring was like spoiled. That's a word, right? Mm -hmm. And then it goes (laughs) at the end. This Mm -hmm. movie just kind of felt like it was spinning in circles. Did you see what I did there? It was a very nice like set of imagery. I kind of concocted to compare these two. Water springs. Okay. Like a licorice pizza, like a record spinning on a turntable, but it's it's skipping, it's skipping, it's just doing the same thing over and over <laughs> until you get up and turn it off, yeah, or move it forward. Um, I don't any argument I would have about the uh, uh, problematic qualities would probably be kind of bad faith arguments because I don't actually care that much, but it is kind of an uncomfortable milieu that this movie is working in i feel like yeah that's neither here nor there i guess but uh, it didn't contribute to me liking this movie more i think like the racial component is like inexcusable and absolutely shouldn't be in the movie like i just i there's no reason why that needs to be in there or at least treated the way it's treated like i get the idea that like they're trying to things were show how this guy's an idiot sure and like that's fine and like i I, there's something like i think special or maybe interesting about how this was the beginning of like america exploring other food cultures and like what that looked like like (laughs) maybe that's interesting in a small way sure i just don't know that we need like how that was portrayed exactly yeah yeah like the main problematic point i honestly like i don't know if i'm for some reason it didn't bug me (laughs) like i like i don't want them to date well but i am also about though that's the whole movie i mean kind of like i just don't i i was trying to like express another time like why this didn't bug me so much and it feels number one i like i think it's i i think they come out of this after like where the movie ends you know not in a relationship like that truly doesn't seem feasible for the characters and i don't know that like that's what they actually want in the end like i think a lot of what we're seeing from the alana character is like her figuring out what adulthood is and like you know the way that the movie ends is her after a very complex 
evening like where a lot of other things are going on and i think it like culminates in a specific way that like makes sense for that moment in that character but like i just i don't actually see this as a uh romantic love story between two people um yeah i don't know like i just this is like in the vein of like i don't know that this movie is like condoning 28 year olds dating 14 year olds or whatever like that just doesn't feel like what it is it is a movie about that though yeah but i mean like the other comparison i could come up with in recent history was red rocket where it's like yeah yeah, a lot of bad stuff happening in that movie i don't know that the movie is saying like go out and do this (laughs) it's weird we got two like wow yeah i mean that's Uh, like all of movies made by the people who've made movies forever i don't know it's creepy um i don't know yeah just like i liked the scenes a lot that reminded me of magnolia scenes or mm. the vibe of Magnolia. Like when she goes to the restaurant and the would-be senator or whatever, or the, not senator, but the politician of some standing, that mm-hmm. whole scenario was like this kind of, I felt really like nicely layered and emotional scene that doesn't really connect to the rest of the movie, really. It's just kind of this thing that happens. I liked those scenes more than the actual, like the thrust of the narrative, if you could call it that, even. I think I agree. Like, I like, and like, yeah, the like little set pieces along the way. Like, I like the, I genuinely thought the moment with, I'm forgetting the actress's name, but like the, I don't know, casting director or producer, whoever she is, who's just like saying insane stuff. And like, I think the actress in that is like super hilarious. And like, I love that scene. I would watch that a million times over. Um, And like, I think the stuff at the restaurant with Sean Penn is awesome. And like, I don't like Sean Penn all that much, but I thought he was great in like a small role in this movie. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I got more enjoyment out of those than the overall idea of like, you know, are these two people meant to be together in some way? Right. Um, but I also think like, I, I really, I don't, I guess I see this movie overall way more as like a, a Alana needs to figure out what's going on with her life than like a love story or like it even being about the love between these two characters. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree in as much as it's just not supported by the the movie. Like there's not a lot of scenes of them actually enjoying each other's company or like, you know, right. being happy together necessarily. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting in its own way. But I think that's the problem, though, is that the end is that for a little bit. But it seems like that's just her, like, putting a Band-Aid on her life being a mess. Like, she is someone who makes her life fun and provides, like, financial stability and who thinks that she's cool. Like, (laughs) a lot of that also made a lot of sense where, like she's self-conscious about the fact that she's hanging out with teenagers, but because she's the older cool lady, like she gets to feel like she's in power and she's the cool one until that wears off. And she realizes how stupid it is. Right. Right. And then in a moment of weakness, like goes back and revisits the well or whatever. Right. It's kind of an interesting dynamic, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the, the, the stuff with the truck, I don't understand at all. Like, everybody's like, oh, my God, she drove the truck. Like, it's great. Does it justify, you know, all these shots of her driving a truck backwards? Like, why is this in the movie? Oh, <laughs> I think that's fun. I like that a lot. I know, but it, 
it's like this five minute chunk of like, I guess they're driving a truck down a hill. I mean, so the reason I nom oh, Bruce is scratching his scratching post. Um, stop it. Is Bruce um, scratching a scratching post in the background? Yeah. Okay. I, like the reason I nominated that for best scene is I, I like, like that's the moment, right? Where she realizes she needs to get a different job. Sure. Basically like she could have theoretically killed these children and they that's just think cool, it's though. awesome. And she like yeah. has to live with the almost consequences of that. And like, I, I, I think that functions well narratively. And then that gives me an excuse to just enjoy Alana Heim driving a car backwards for five minutes or whatever. I could do without. I like the, uh, the scene after that though. I love that mood of like early morning, like just sitting on the street, just like, what do we do now? (laughs) I like that a lot. Yeah. The truck driving. I don't know. Bradley Cooper's all right in that movie as an unhinged man. I think he's good. He's a cartoon character, but it's fun. Yeah. It's It's fun. He's a sleaze bag. Car, what else is going on? Um, 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 I'm watching The Dropout. Theranos TV show. What is that, Carly? The Elizabeth Holmes stuff. Oh, true, 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 true. True, 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 true. The Amanda Seyfried. Seyfried. It's pretty fun. It's also got Naveen Andrews, Saeed of Lost, if you will. nice. Or Sense8. Or Sense8. Thank you. I almost started watching Sense8 again, too. I love Sense8, Car. Yeah, it's fun. Um, I, don't know, I, I think it's just like a really fun show. Like, I, I'm trying to get our parents to watch it. I think it's like of decent quality. And there's like the phenomenon of all of these shows coming out right now about like Uber and the inventing the Anna one economy. and everything. And like this seems like the winner out of all of them. Um, sure. Yeah, I don't know. It's just fun. I don't even know how you find out about these TV shows. It all just passes me by. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm in the dark. And then you're like, hey, everybody's watching Succession. I'm like, what the hell is Succession? And then I never <laughs> found out. Well, this is like one of the things I worry about. Like, I fantasize about deleting social media. I don't know how I would like find out about stuff. <laughs> You don't. That's the beauty of it, car. No, I want to. I want to. Because know. it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, well, nothing it doesn't matter. matters. Exactly. Social it will media start is mattering there. when I log it on Letterboxd, though. That does matter. But otherwise, <laughs> social media is just a tool to hypnotize you into thinking that things matter when they don't. Yeah, it's working. It is. You got to get that number up of movies you've logged. And guess what? What's up? My next movie will be my th- thousandth movie logged on Letterboxd. Oh, my God. You're only at a thousand? That can't be right. Well, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. You don't do what I do, which is game the system as much as possible and log things that don't <laughs> exist and crap like that. Oh, a 10-second yeah. YouTube video? Somebody took their porch? <laughs> Done, logged, watched. Done, logged, watched. <laughs> Better broadcast um, this to my seven followers. Yes, Car? I guess the last thing to talk about is well, I guess I'll say Tall Girl 2 was fun and dumb. And like, what did you give that? Uh, one and a half stars. <laughs> love it. I love it. <laughs> She's tall. <laughs> Two. Um, okay. And then the other thing to talk about is After Yang, which I watched last night. Um, 
I love this movie. I <laughs> this is by the person who made Columbus. It stars <laughs> some like of my confession. It stars some of my favorite actors, including okay. the him. woman from Columbus. Oh, there is a scene in this movie Come where on. the actress from Columbus is. It's a shot of her at a music venue seeing Mitski. Cara, Skype is acting up. I think we got to end this podcast. Uh, I'm sorry. I truly felt like I was like, I. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this movie feels like. Yikes. It feels like they took my brain and I guess I'm, I realize it's the brain of many other people like me and just like injected an extremely good movie with like stuff that i love so that's all to say like this is an extremely good movie outside of the fact that it feels like it was engineered for me right um, urban outfitters made a movie and they are serving <laughs> it up to you. <laughs> so the premise of i i guess i don't want to get too deep into the premise actually okay. i like i tried really really hard to avoid absolutely everything about this movie before going in sure. um and i think that was a very good experience um okay. But I I think it's safe to say, like, it takes place in the future and is dealing with concepts like AI and cloning. Haley Joel Hot air balloons that look like the moon. Hot air balloons that look like the moon. The blue fairy. The blue fairy. Robert Williams as a fortune telling genie thing. Really quick, there is a really good joke on Twitter after the Euphoria finale that was like, I went on an AI long. uh, journey to the blue fairy to ask what euphoria was about and i thought that was really funny uh, In the <laughs> yeah. anywho okay so basically like it's a future scenario dealing with these topics and it's like the most gentle loving <laughs> i'm hitting my microphone um, are you hitting your to, microphone in the background carly act as if i'm hitting you what Plot twist. I read the short story this was based on. Oh, seriously? I did. Oh, when? Uh, like a week ago. Oh, okay. Because of the movie or it's just yeah. a quinky dink? Okay. I'm really not sure how they could turn that into a movie. Ooh, now I'm really curious. Well, it's just like... Uh, I I feel like I'm criticizing the movie without having seen it and only having read the short story. Uh, but it's just like... it. I guess I was unimpressed with the short story. And I believe you that okay. this movie, uh, obviously it has to have added to this story in some way because it's not 10 minutes long. Uh, yeah. So I'm really curious about that. But you, do you feel like the story is the thing or is it kind of just like a emotional kind of journey? I mean, I, it's hard I mean, they're linked. I don't know. Like, I, there absolutely is yeah. enough narrative structure here for me. Um, okay, that's that's interesting then, I guess. Yeah, like, I it, I think the maybe first, like, 40 minutes, you're, it's more of, like, the emotional, like, um, like, there's grief involved in the movie, and you're sort of figuring out how the different characters in this family are responding to that. And then... The there's like a visualization of a lot of what's going on 
at like sort of a more conceptual level. I don't know how to explain this without like giving everything away. But basically, yeah. like it's a view of technology and memory and emotion, like a, a actual visualization of it, which is some of the coolest stuff I've ever seen. Like okay. I the way this movie looks and like renders something that I think a lot of other sort of sci-fi movies have tried to render things is so expert and mind blowing and like beautiful to look at. And then there's all of these like little quirks about the world and the experience of these characters that really comes out more and more as the movie goes on. That is like, it just feels like such a full world sort of, um, and I think, like, similar to Columbus, like, there's some very similar themes. Um, like, Columbus, a lot of it is about loving something but not feeling connected to it. In Columbus, that something is, like, architecture in general. <laughs> and that's explored, like, as a means to explore family relationships. Hmm. And, like, there's a lot of that here, like, both within the family and with uh, just like random stuff the characters are passionate about. Like there's a long scene about tea and why tea is a nice thing and why people do or don't love it. And basically I just like, I think I am so fully signed on to this director and like the way that he tells oh, stories yeah. and then the way that he makes things look and like, I'm just in, I'm so all in it. I don't know. It's like truly the best word I can come up for come up with it is gentle like it just feels mm. warm and there i was so afraid the entire time it was going to turn like dystopian or something right. never does Too never long. feels even close to it like it's just oh this is a future i, I think like I, I was listening to an interview with the director and oh boy cars back on the horse <laughs> directors i listen to i'm okay. very interested okay. in like directors and writers so i will okay. admit i'm fully into that world but, like he was talking about because the interviewer was asking about like the world looks a really specific way like it looks really organic and like there's a lot of plants and wood um and like the the um costumes are like very cottony and stuff and he was talking about how like this sort of feels like okay maybe there was a breaking point in the world and you know instead of it being a dystopian like oh everything sucks now because there was a breaking point what if we actually figured it out and the world hmm. looked better and like it doesn't look completely different like it there are scenes in like cafes and the cafes kind of look like our cafes if you were gonna go to, like a hipster cafe or something but everything's just like okay we figured some stuff out and like there is ai and like the consequences of that isn't the worst thing in the world like it, hmm. everything's just sort of okay and they're figuring out in a way that feels way more realistic to like how we figure stuff out right now um than like any sci-fi journey i've seen hmm. that already yeah. sounds way more interesting than the short story so you got yeah, i'd be so curious i yeah i do want to go back and read it now very short. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't get this optimism. Is this? You know, Carly, just save me from <laughs> dismay. Just tell me this uh -huh. is not like Ex Machina. Just tell me no. it's not that movie. Okay. And I was God. thinking about you. I think like it, it is fair to compare. Like I, it's not the same visual style. There are absolutely some similarities. Like there's some Alex Garland in this. But it's not like 
I feel like part of it is the division of optimism versus pessimism. Like, I, I like Alex Garland a lot, but I feel like some of it's just to explore, like, how... Everything's so messed uh, up, man. Yeah, like, it is, like, how gnarly can this how get? And, like, I think that's interesting. And then this is, like, just not about that at all. This is, like, about this family and hmm. sort of how just that like intersects with technology. Okay. <laughs> they have some Coronas. Yeah, I don't know. I love this movie a lot. And I can't wait to watch it again. Like, I saw it in a theater, yeah. and I was really glad to see it in a theater, but I'm excited to, like, see it in my own home and, like, I don't know, like, feel it more or something. Um, yeah. Make some tea. Make some tea. I did have tea at the movie theater, and I didn't even realize what? it was going to be a tea thing. Yeah. How did that happen? They got tea. What kind of hippie movie theaters are you going to? <laughs> you go to the movie theater here, and they just, like, throw a Pepsi at your face and push you through the door. <laughs> Which I like. You should go. I wonder if the theater there has um, like specialty branded Batman uh, popcorn oh, the and vessel. soda. Yeah. You know what? I'm not going to find out. <laughs> Sorry. No field trip for Tucker to the movie theater. Aww. Sorry. Um, sorry. Sorry, everybody. Uh, <laughs> hey, I, wa- I want this free guy. What did you think? Speaking of I loved your movies. review of this. I felt it on like a visceral level. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just had one thing I wanted to say about Free Guy, and then I won't talk about <laughs> movies anymore. Okay. It's really... It's so interesting to me what Free Guy is as far as an aesthetic. What this is not is Space Jam 2. Okay, how is it not Space Jam 2? Because that really feels like what it is. Because it's not... It's not it's not brands, it's not characters. It's I thought it was though. No, is it don't it's they not. have like random they do. properties in it? They totally do. But it's not for the most part it's not that. It's just like video game. It's just like little okay. Grand Theft Auto, you know, blah 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 blah. Ryan Reynolds being annoying for two hours. But yeah. it's mm-hmm. really interesting to me how this kind of video game aesthetic has become like it 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 could never have happened before where someone's could make a video game movie like this because mm. now the video game aesthetic is just real life, except it looks kind of crummy. It looks like a Marvel movie. <laughs> so now you can make this movie that looks like a Marvel movie, but it's based on the video games. It's, it's like this weird thing where video games have more branding in them than this movie does, which is also weird because it's supposed yeah. to be like Fortnite sort of, it's got like the glider from Fortnite, but it's not Fortnite because it's nobody's running around as Rick and Morty or, you know, Aww. Batman. It's really, yeah. it's an interesting melange, uh, free guy. Uh, and it's got the guy from stranger things in it, which is cool. Um, which guy, um, the kind of like older guy, not I thought older, you hate that guy. Well, I liked him in this movie. Uh, <laughs> and it's got the lady from, uh, you know, Jody Jody Comer. Yes. She's That's awful my girl, Jody. in this movie. Is Everyone's she? awful. Yeah, she's got like this she affects this accent and it sounds terrible. Oh no. Yeah, so anyway, Free Guy was kind of awful, but uh I really wish Ryan Reynolds It's so crazy that Ryan Reynolds Ryan Reynolds is like Adam Sandler times like 50 where he has just like one annoying voice he does, but he can be in like 12 movies a year. How does that happen? Yeah. He's just I Deadpool don't know. in this movie. And then he was in that movie where he was Pikachu, but he was just Deadpool as Pikachu. How does that happen? Yeah. That I was watched a the proposal movie. and he was kind of fine in it. No, he can play a normal person, I think. Yeah. But everyone just wants to pay him a lot of money to do that annoying voice he does and be like, hey, yeah, I'm smarmy. Yeah. 
He was in Smarmy red is the right word. He was doing red notice. The same thing. It was red notice. Uh, anyway, free guy was awesome. Carl, well, movies are coming out. Really Emma. quick, I think Ryan Reynolds got Twitter famous for being cricket that way, and I think that's why oh. this is happening. He just is the voice of Twitter. Now that you yeah. mention it, he's just like, yeah, random swearing. Well, actually, <laughs> <laughs> that was literally something. epic. Yeah. Okay. Amma's coming out, Car. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. It looks fun. Amma, which is the Korean word for mother, follows Amanda and her daughter living a quiet life on an American farm. I'm doing the movies because you uh, dropped the ball. But I'm sorry. when the remains of her a strangled mother arrive from <laughs> <laughs> Amanda becomes haunted by the fear of turning into her own mother. Kind of a cool poster on this one. Oh, it's Sandra. Oh! Yeah, we love Sandro. This doesn't give me the cast details, but the the poster prominently lists Sandra. Oh, okay, here we go. Sandra, oh, it says is the cast. <laughs> so that's coming out. This is what it's like to have someone just click through a Wikipedia page. No, I'm on uh, the numbers.com. Yeah. The Unbreakable Boy is coming out. Oh, no. March 18th. Wide. Lions. <laughs> a boy has both a rare, brittle bone disease and autism. But what makes Austin truly unique is his joyous fun. See, immediately I have to know not to make this a funny read. Life-affirming yeah. worldview that transforms and unites everyone around him. The boy's father changes. His life as he comes to see Austin not as the symbol of something broken, but the triumph of an indestructible spirit. Okay. It's getting a wide theatrical release, Car. I have never heard of that movie. Well, it's getting a wide theatrical release. It stars yeah. Jacob Laval. I don't know who that is. All right, lots of bangers this week. <laughs> Turning Red is coming to Disney Plus. May Lee is uh-huh. the thirteen year old who suddenly poofs. Poofs is in quotes. Poofs. Have you ever poofed anyone? Carly? No. Okay. Into a giant red panda. When she, this is why we have pop screens. So when I say poofs, <laughs> it doesn't blow out your eardrum. When she gets too excited, which is part tri- practically always, always is in all caps. May Lee's protective, if not slightly overbearing mother Ming, who is Sandra Oh, it's never far from her daughter, an unfortunate reality for the teenager. So this one's weird. Oh, wait. Yeah, I feel like I've seen like the fourth Pixar movie in a row. Yes. Where I've seen people say, oh, my God, this is like the best Pixar movie. or Yeah, the best yeah. Pixar movie uh, yeah, in like yeah. 10 years. Yeah. It You're... can't all be the best one in 10 years. None of them happen. Carly, I have great news for you. Yeah. This is my pick for us to watch this week. Okay. Okay. I want to watch it and talk about it with you. She turns into a panda. Come on. Okay. Hey, yeah. we talked about soul. Yeah. <sighs> Expired. Ooh. <laughs> I'm already loving this. This is a limited release. It was released as Loveland in Australia. In the near future. Can you give me like a cyberpunky kind of like synth backing for this in the near future a hired mercenary named jack get it like a phone jack starts to wonder why his body is mysteriously breaking down 
Pursued by robotic henchmen, Jack seeks the help of Dr. Bergman, a reclusive scientist who may hold the answers to his dark predicament. This, I thought, was maybe that Jared Leto movie based on the poster, but it is Morbius. Not. Morbius. <laughs> this stars Ryan Quantin and Julian Nguyen. And Hugo Weaving's in it. God bless him. He won't be in The Matrix, but he'll be an expired. I don't know if they invited him to be. Uh, Three picked- strangers, one city, no way out. <laughs> Sorry. Ultrasound's coming out. Um, this is the last one I'll talk about. Limited release, March 11th. Driving home late at night during a heavy rainstorm. Can I get some like... I'm going to... Can you just do sound effects intermittently while I read this description, please? Okay, what, what is this? What That's is this? wind. That's wind. Okay, it said rainstorm. Thank you. Glenn experiences car trouble. <laughs> Near where his car gets stuck, he spots a house. <laughs> it's not just wind. There's other things happening. Knocks on the door. <laughs> and is greeted by an oddly friendly middle-aged man, Arthur. Hey, Buster. Okay, and his younger wife, Cindy. Hi. <laughs> She's in the kitchen. Uh, the strange couple <laughs> pours him a drink and then more drinks. Glug, glug, glug. <laughs> followed by an unexpected offer that Glenn can't refuse. I can never. Okay, see, I would go with like a cha-ching or something like a... Like, oh. You don't need to be like acting out this scenario. You just need to do the sound effects. <laughs> Elsewhere, a young woman... Uh. Katie is feeling emotionally weighed down by a secret romantic arrangement that feels like a textbook case of gaslighting. (laughs) (laughs) And at the same time, very good. In a nondescript research facility, this is an unhinged description of this movie. (laughs) Medical professional Shannon begins questioning her role. In a bizarre experiment. Oh, boom. Oh, boom. <laughs> what experiment is that? Hearts. Okay. Fearing that she's doing more harm than good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, this looks all right. That description seems bad, but uh, otherwise it seems kind of cool. Yeah. It's got like artsy looking stuff going on. Sure. It's got rainy quality in it yeah whatever you do the movies next time this was terrible okay, I will. You're really, your sound effects weren't very good yes they were okay give me your best sound effect you can do i can't do anything oh my god i'm sorry it's true oh i can do this thing carly i said that we would kind of reevaluate uh where we were at um, I think maybe we should get someone else to do this with me. Bruce is standing by. <laughs> okay. Bruce, I don't know if we would get along very well. He liked Free Guy a lot. Did he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like Free Guy a lot too. Okay, my pick for the movie is Maps to the Stars, I think it's called. <sighs> 
Carly's browsing the Criterion Collection bargain bin again. <laughs> this is John Early, a comedian I like. He's the one who prompted the clock watcher. Oh, when their friend goes missing watch. and they try to find her. Huh? This has a very similar poster to a TV show that a famed director was going to do about Hollywood. I don't know if that ever happened. What are you talking about? Maps for the Stars. I saw you add this to your watch list the other day. And I was like, I dang, know. that poster looks familiar. And then, hold on, I'm doing detective work. Can I get some Foley work for my detective work? <laughs> it was a stormy night. and uh, That's not it. I thought it was called Hollywood Land, but uh, that apparently huh. is not the name of something that I would know about. Hey. It's an Adrian Brody movie from 2006. Cool. Starring Ben Affleck. And Adrian Brody. Yes, and Bob Hoskins. Hmm. Bob Hoskins was in um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, I believe. I think it's and... really good when we just say names and then say what they were in and then kind of keep that going for like an hour. Who Frame Roger Rabbit? Right, Is that a right. Zemeckis movie? I think it might be. What else did Robert Zemeckis do? Is he Back doing the, the new? Future. Yeah, and he also did the Jim Carrey um christmas carol and i just like Beowulf. to uh, i'd like to thank all the subscribers who paid money for this episode this was a <laughs> subscriber only episode this is premium subscribers yeah, that's ten dollars a month uh, <laughs> yep fifty dollars and above per month the subscribers got access to this awesome episode of pillows on the windows um we really uh encourage you to contribute more money to the podcast so we can keep doing quality content like this where Carly talked about after Yang for like an hour, and I have no idea what that movie's even about. You read the story. Yeah, it's about robots or something. Yeah. Like, I'm racist towards robots. Well, I think that's kind of dumb. I think you should accept all robots. The end. Done. Finn.